What is up, everybody? Welcome to the 4 for Formula One podcast. This week we are covering the Australian GP, today's preview. Uh, make sure you remember that this is a crazy race because of the Australian time. So it's starting tonight at 10 p.m. Pacific, 1 a.m. Eastern time. So we are turning things over very quickly today. Uh, as always, general preview uh, from qualifying uh, yesterday or this morning, last night, depending on where you're at cover some DFS, cover some betting. I'm your host, TJ Hernandez, the director of DFS at 444.com with my co-host, Sam Hoppin, the data analytics manager at BetSports and 444. And very, very special guest today, Justin Freeman, the founder of Run the Sims, the author of the Captain Spot ebook, also available at Run the Sims. 444 and Run the Sims are teaming up for F1 and USFL. Very, very exciting partnership. Justin, what's going on, buddy? Hey, this uh, solid introduction, TJ. I appreciate that. Yeah, I am stoked about this uh, partnership, Run the Sims 4 for 4, like a, a group of guys with you and uh, Sam, uh, who I've always sort of looked up to and, and doing great work and can appreciate that. And I mean, you guys crush it from a content perspective, and we're building out some really cool tools that folks seem to find really interesting. And we're really looking forward to what that's going to look like in the future for Formula One, too. So uh, excited to dig into it. Yeah, man, the uh, the the four for four peeps that are that are watching or listening are probably very familiar um, with you, especially the way you've been crushing showdown uh, these last couple of years. Obviously, F one is is a brand new sport um, to to DFS. So guys like us three, um, we can be the uh, proverbial thought leaders because I mean, you know, no one else is out there doing it yet. So uh, again, four four is teaming up with Run the Sims uh, projections, tools, uh, content for both F one and USFL DFS and betting. Go to runthesims.com. Use a promo code four 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 for ten percent off the USFL and F one subs, or see the the link in the description um justin any anything else that you want to tell the listeners um about yourself or about run the sims yeah no i think guys uh, go, go check out the site and click around a lot a lot of our um f1 stuff is completely free just log in with an email address and that's all you need to get going there and uh i'm excited to talk about this uh aussie grand prix let's let's get into it yeah, it's going to be fun. And, and if you are just uh, popping into the show, you've seen uh, one of us three going crazy on F1 on Twitter and, and you're getting interested in this DFS F1 game, uh, go check out the inaugural 4 for Formula 1 podcast. Myself and Dan Weiner of Betsperts do about a 20-minute intro segment on why we think this is a very approachable game for anybody that's interested in DFS or Showdown. Um, but let's get into the show. Uh, Sam, before we got into qualifying, uh, I still don't know if I say yesterday, last night. We'll, we'll just call. It, we'll just say last night. Um, we did have some news coming into the week. Uh, what stood out to you, news-wise, heading into uh, this this Aussie GP? So it's obviously been two weeks since the last race, which was the Saudi Grand Prix. Grand Prix uh, saw Verstappen take that one home, and we'll have, I believe, another two-week break after this one. And a couple things that sort of stood out to me, we had Fernando Alonso, um, he's approaching his limit for power units. So throughout the course of the Formula One season, teams are only allowed three different power units to use in their car. This is only the third race of the year. Now, granted, they can go back and use old ones, but it sounds like the one from Saudi has just been completely scrapped for him. So 
he is going to be using a new power unit this weekend. And another big change comes with Mercedes, who we've sort of been waiting for them to get it together and hopefully make these DFS contests more interesting from a, you know, sort of splitting out the ownership a little bit more. But they are making their first major hardware change to their car this weekend as well. We'll get into it here in a little bit. But Hamilton and Russell finished P5 and P6 in qualifying. So it looks like, you know, things are at least improved from last week, certainly for for Hamilton. And then funny thing, uh, they added a fourth DRS zone to the Grand Prix. And then two days ago, they got rid of it. Um, So that back down to three DRS zones for the race tonight or tomorrow again. We'll we'll, we'll go tonight. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So we'll be interesting to see how much overtaking there is there. I think there are still opportunities even without that fourth DRS zone, but we'll be interesting to see how, how that changes things. Yeah. Um, I, I think uh, we have said so far on this podcast, we don't fancy ourselves as F1 experts. So I, how that uh, fourth DFS zone being removed um, is to be seen. I think there'll still be plenty of overtaking just from what we've seen in the first two races um, and, and the, the new design of the cars, um, you know, we, we've seen it up front in the middle, um, whether it be with teammates, whether it be with uh, Leclerc and Verstappen. So I, I would definitely like go on Twitter, check out some of the more technical um, F1 accounts uh, podcast shows to figure out how that will affect what's going on tomorrow. But I mean, I think probably our our best primer guide is still going to be these these betting markets. Um, so let's jump into uh, qualifying, uh, what happened in qualifying, Dan, if you could throw that graphic up for us. Um, as Sam noted, we saw Mercedes finish, um, five, six in, in qualifying. The big surprise in qualifying was McLaren having two in the top 10 Lando coming in P four and qualifying, uh, Ricardo in P seven, uh, top 10 rounded out by five constructors. The other, uh, the other five, um, all finishing outside the top 10 had a lot of issues with Austin Martin, even struggling just to get out on the track. And then stroll and Latifi had, um, an incident, um, where they weren't able to finish qualifying, Albon got a penalty. He was moved down to 20th, so he'll be starting last on the grid. Justin, anything stand out uh, to you from qualifying last night? Yeah, I think one thing that stood out was just how much the the markets moved around on signs, and we're still trying to figure out exactly what's going on with him and that car. Obviously, I mean, you can look at the graphic here, and, and we see that you know, teams from the same constructor tend to cluster close to one another. And yet for the Ferrari cars, you've got Leclerc topping the pole and signs all the way down in ninth. Something's something's not quite right there with signs. And maybe it was just a poor qualifying performance. I mean, that does absolutely happen uh, because he was absolutely tearing it up through the practice round. So uh, be curious to know if you guys have any takes on, on maybe what went wrong in qualifying for him. So I messed up my recording of qualifying and because of the accident in Q1 missed the entire part of Q3, but he was on pace, you know, pretty close to Leclerc, Verstappen and Perez for Q1 and Q2 sounded like he was just a bit unlucky in Q3 
And again, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more. You've got him right now at 6% ownership and in the ninth spot will be interesting to see again, sort of where that actually lands, but obviously signs the, the big, the big uh, surprise here. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, one, Signs had some crazy porpoising issues. I, I believe it was in Q3. They were showing um, his car coming down the straight, and it was bouncing like crazy. His pace was fantastic. I, I believe he had a little bit of bad luck. I don't remember if it was a red or a yellow flag, but I, I think it came out while he was um, on a hot lap and he wasn't able to record that time. So I think that had a little bit to do with it. Um, but from a, from a DFS perspective, him starting all the way at ninth, He's probably going to have the pace to climb the grid a bit, um, but because he is in a Ferrari, his salary is probably going to be pretty prohibitive at that 9,800. Like you need to be shooting for first when you're paying up that much with the way salaries are right now. We'll get into um, that as well, which I, I think is probably a reason we're still going to be pretty cool on Ferrari. Um, I'm sorry, on Mercedes. Uh, Lewis is still at 94. George Russell's at 8,600. So they are cheaper than the top guys, but they're not so cheap that you can afford to really take much on with them. Um, with I, I just don't think they have a clear shot to, to um, a first place or even a podium at this point, just because even though they're both top five, it's just still clear that everybody's pace is way behind Ferrari and um, Red Bull. Let's jump into... Uh, One last the, thing real yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I saw a chart earlier today, I forget the specific account, but basically looked at the potential fastest time in qualifying for each driver. So took the fastest time for each driver for each of the three sectors, and then added those fastest times and probably not just describing this perfectly, but the potential fastest time for Fernando Alonso would have been P4 if he ends up finishing. So I think he's got a ton of pace here too. Again, finishes behind Ocon. So we'll see if that impacts his ownership at all. But certainly something that, again, stood out to me. Yeah, I guess we forgot to mention that was a big incident um, in Q3. Alonso was unable to downshift on on coming out of one of the corners, which um, obviously caused him to not be able to slow down the car as much. So he went into the wall. Um, his pace was crazy, and that's gonna have that's gonna have a lot of impact on what we're gonna talk about um, in this DFS strategy. The meat of the show um so let's get into just what we're going to be doing before we get into the strategy this week going forward um dan if you could just throw up the the uh graphic of the optimal rates that justin has on run the sims and justin if you can just kind of explain what we're looking at here and what are the basis of our analysis every week is going to be um based off of this yeah, so the general methodology that we use at Run the Sims is to simulate out uh, the contest or event. And, you know, for us in the fall, that was NFL football. For us here now, it's it's F1, and soon enough it'll be USFL as well. But, you know, we simulate out this race 10,000 times to see um, which combinations of drivers are 
going to you know, essentially combine well together, which ones pop up in, in the optimal lineup. And so we have this iterative process where we simulate the race, find the optimal lineup if that outcome were to happen, and then run it back uh, 9,999 more times, right? So uh, we accumulate all of those things. And so we get a fully correlated uh, outlook as to how uh, well we can expect each driver to perform, uh, how much we should be expecting to use them in our lineups uh, and that sort of thing. And so you'll see here, top of the line here, um, the sort of double shaded red and blue for uh, Charles Leclerc. Um, he is uh, showing up as by far the, the the optimal driver in both sort of the driver position and the captain position. So obviously we're, we're trying to be very sensitive uh, to the fact that we need to be very selective about who our captains are going to be in this format. Um, there's obviously some opportunities to save money by going with cheaper options, but in terms of like just sort of locked and loaded best option on the slate, chalky option, probably um, that's going to be Charles there at, at the top spot. And you can work your way all the way down and towards the bottom there, you'll see the constructors and you'll see Red Bull and Ferrari one, two there. Um, Obviously, Red Bull makes a look, even though we like uh, Leclerc there at the top, uh, Red Bull uh, is inching out Ferrari. And some of that has to do with price. And some of that has to do with the fact that we feel a little bit better about the combination of the two teammates there uh, on the on the Red Bull side. Whereas, you know, you can certainly go solo uh, with with Leclerc and not have to worry so much about his teammates. So this is sort of, to me, one of the better ways to visualize uh, how you should approach, um, you know, sort of the ownership within your own roster construction. Um, you know, if, if you can sort of, we're all trying to figure out projected uh, roster shift right now um, and, and try to figure out how these numbers would compare as well. So it just gives you a nice jumping off point for building lineups. Yeah. And, and as always, these, this ownership within our portfolio, I, I mean, the, the ease, the, the most common way to talk about this is uh, your, your percentage. If you are rolling out 150 lineups, which not everyone is doing, but it still just does give you a guidance of, of what um, drivers and, and constructors you want to be zeroing in on. And for those that are coming from an NFL showdown background, uh, one thing you'll notice in formula one compared to NFL is that the sport is, so top heavy F1 that even though these guys are chalky, they are the most expensive. Um, we've seen it through the first two races. They, they are often going to be the, the drivers that we want to be the cornerstones of our lineups. And it's always relative to the projected ownership percentages. So we, as we get later into the season, we'll be able to tweak those ownership percentages more, get a really good of idea uh, of what they um, are going to be and relate these optimal rates in our lineups to those ownership percentages being able to talk about whether we want to be overweight or underweight on those projections but um as we've talked about the first couple of weeks this is still a very new dfs sport we only have two trials so far which is absolutely nothing so just in general through two weeks or two races sam what have your general thoughts been on f1 dfs it's still tough. It's still, I mean, it's still DFS and no, again, to me, no DFS is, is easy. And yeah. there are so many different strategies you could try, but it seems like right now, some of them are just dead. Like we, we said, you know, we need some of these McLarens and Mercedes to be competitive at the top so that they 
take ownership away and take, you know, some opportunities away from the, the other constructors as well. And just in, in seeing some of the, the way ownership has played out, it's, you know, it's basically just trying to figure out which teammate is going to finish ahead of one another, which it has been, uh, you know, something I think before the season started. And once we found out there was DFS, it was, okay, let's, let's target those guys. Let's target the guys who are starting ahead. Now I'm starting to just be like, I'm going to target the guys who are starting behind because they're going to come with less ownership and hope for some chaos. And like you said, when we do get that first big crash and it's going to happen eventually, then I think the landscape changes drastically because people will see that the chalk isn't always going to hit. It's going to very often, I think more times than not, but there it's yeah. I think that's, that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. So, so what Sam is talking about for those that, that haven't played yet, uh, you, if a driver finishes in front of their teammate, they get five points. First place gets 25 points. You're getting 20% of the points just for finishing ahead of your teammates of what the guy getting uh, first place is. So there's huge value in being able to nail down a cheap or affordable driver that finishes ahead of his teammates. Those five points are huge. And we've seen even just last week, the the cheap teammate that finishes that's starting ahead of his teammate on the grid, their ownership has been exponentially higher. So trying to figure out whether you're chasing that top five or looking for the ownership value has been a very interesting um, strategy idea to, to kind of parse through over these first two races, Justin, you've been um, going hard on these first two weeks. I, I believe you, you locked down a, um, uh, a dupe for uh, first place uh, in the, um, in the Saudi Arabian GP. So what have you noticed uh, as a somebody with a showdown background in this brand new DFS sport? Yeah, I'd say, you know, we're obviously used to avoiding dupes at all costs in showdown. That's just sort of the standardized gospel at this point as to how you play a showdown format. Uh, and it intuitively makes sense because you know, even though you're you're taking a great chance at a good score, uh, you're obviously sacrificing EV uh, by factors at a time for each and every person that dupes you. And that's more profound when you go from zero dupes to one dupe and then one to two. And it gets a little bit less profound as you go along. But um, you're seeing that that top that top spot get chopped up a bunch of ways. Now, what you have to do here is a little bit of math and figuring as to how often we can expect the chalk to go off in f1 like i mean through two races obviously it's been a hundred percent so far smallest of sample sizes though so um and, and i think what you have to essentially ask yourself is under what conditions does the chalk not go off and um then how can you best suit your lineup to succeed when that happens um and, and we got just a taste of it in week one with uh verstappen's kind of blow up there at the end of the race because that was looking like it was going to be a one-two finish with the ferrari red bull there um but yeah w- what could go wrong and you know we sort of were talking about this pre-show it's going to take a leclerc verstappen wipeout between the two of them where they're where they're both knocked out of commission then uh how could you set up your lineup to maximize from there well 
Uh, I think you would sort of start by saying, well, Red Bull and Ferrari, then their teammates are obviously going to get five points right away if that happens. So then those guys become very viable. Somebody else will probably win the race, if not one of those two guys. And you're probably looking for a different constructor, possibly um, in that situation. So you just have to think about things holistically. It's okay to have, uh, you know, a a mega chop like I don't know that it's worth avoiding. I think right now we're so early and the ownership projections are very vague right now um, to give us a chance to really take definitive stands um, that for right now, it may be okay to just play the best plays, especially if you're not going to be doing a ton of lineup. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing that's been painfully obvious through these first couple of weeks has just been the dupe problem that you've mentioned Um that DraftKings did raise the floor of the salaries from the first race. I mean, two races ago, it was a sport that had never been uh, played in the DFS format before. Um, salaries came out a couple week before the ra- weeks before the race, so um, floors were just way too low. They they tightened up salaries a little bit for this uh, Saudi GP. We saw the floor, the salary floor get raised from two thousand to three thousand. The ceiling of the constructors and and the captains or the top drivers didn't go up that much. So we're still going to see a lot of very similar lineups. The thing that I would point out and what Justin alluded to is we haven't seen that total chaos yet. And even though Formula One is a relatively low variant sport, it is very top heavy. There are going to be weeks where the crap hits the fan and, and an Alpine or a McLaren um, has a double podium or, or a win. And we don't even see red blonde. Those type of things are just going to happen over the course of 23 races. Now, are we going to predict when they happen and have 0% red bull or Ferrari? You're just never going to have that, but you want to set yourself up to be able to benefit from those things when they do happen. And I, I think people also really get lost. If you are looking at it from a long-term DFS grinder standpoint, yeah, it is nice every week to be able to have that lineup that can chop first place and, you know, you turn your your $15 entry into 1500 bucks or, or 2000 bucks, whatever first place is, but that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to, at the end of these 23 races, have as much profit as possible, and if you just have the one week where you don't chop first place and you bring home that 50K, that makes your season, so you do want to give yourself some outs to at least have a chance to um, do that, but at the end of the DFS portion, we will get into some specific strategies that we are thinking about in terms of lineup building and salary construction, but let's jump into just value for the week. And I'm going to do this a little bit different than we have over the first couple of podcasts. Um, we'll just go kind of team by team here since that plus five has been so important and just talk about where we think the value lies. So we'll start with McLaren because they were the big surprise in qualifying. Lando finishing P4 at 6,400. Ricardo only three spots back at, um, at P7 at 5,200. So even though Ricardo is finishing behind Lando, he has $1,200 less. So Sam, do you see that they're in a very awkward salary range if you are assuming Red Bull Ferrari build? So one, do you even see yourself approaching the salary range? Two, if so, uh, do you have a favorite between Lando and Ricardo? So I think, and we talked a little bit about this before the show, if you're going to go with Lando, slot him into your captain spot mm-hmm. because yeah, it's I going like to open up so many more opportunities to squeeze in both, you know, maybe I, I haven't tried this, but maybe Verstappen and Leclerc. Um, granted, it might be difficult if you're going to include a Red Bull or Ferrari constructor, but if you're choosing one as just 
the driver, I think you go with Ricardo because you're saving $1,200. You're saving, again, about probably 15% ownership, I would think. And Ricardo has a little bit more opportunity to jump up even higher, um, you know, get those extra grid positions. I don't think Lando is going to finish ahead of Verstappen or Leclerc. So I would probably that's that's how I'm playing it right now is that if I'm going to play Lando, I'm going to throw him into my captain spot. Yeah, I mean, Lando would basically need a win for him to maximize his ceiling because he is starting P4. Sure, he might get that plus five, but at 6,400, that plus five isn't as valuable as some of these cheaper drivers. Uh, Ricardo, a P4 is a lot more likely probably than a Lando P1. So getting that plus three up on the grid plus a plus five for beating Lando, if that happens, makes sense for, uh, at least for me, for Ricardo as your driver. Um, Justin, do you agree with Sam's assessment? And if you do, agree what's a rough percentage of of lando captain lineups that would make sense to you yeah i like the lando captain call a lot as uh that's probably my number one favorite lineup of the week and in terms of trying to avoid dupes and and get a little bit different from the field while not giving up too much it just kind of flips the construction a little bit with the mid-price guy up top and it, it does i mean you can fit both those guys and a Red Bull in there. And uh, to me, that that makes a lot of sense. So I'm really leaning uh, heavy on Lando there. Now, granted, to hit his you know maximum ceiling, he has to obviously finish first place to get that three uh, place differential bonus. But I don't know that he has to necessarily do that. Um, and I think he's got, what, the fifth uh, best odds to finish uh, top of this particular race. Um, but he doesn't even have to do that for you. He's just got to be able to let you get those other guys in and, and hit the perfect combination rest of the way. But yeah, I'm loving, it. I mean, you got to love what you saw, uh, from that pair of cars in qualifying for sure. Yeah, Lando's plus 3,500 on DraftKings, so actually six right behind Lewis. Um, but I, I think if you are somebody that's rolling out 150 lineups, this will actually be the, I, I think this could be the um, ownership analysis that could swing the fortunes this week because you got name value on both Lando and Ricardo. You got Ricardo for his home race, which I don't know how much, you know, American players are going to factor that in. Um, but you, you just, I, I think McLaren name value in general can be really interesting. So this is, I think this will be the biggest ownership quandary of the week. Uh, so I, I, I do like your guys' call. I, I haven't even started building it. So how that fits into my, um, my portfolio uh, will is TBD, but let's jump ahead to Austin Martin. And these are actually these have been my favorite um, kind of back and forth to figure out so far in DFS. These guys in the the back of the pack that are cheap, trying to figure. And we've seen whoever starting ahead on these cheap teams, their ownership has been way higher. So for Austin Martin, we have Vettel at, at 3600 starting in P17, Stroll down at P19 at 3200. Justin, what's your take on these Austin Martin teammates this week? Yeah, I mean, and not, neither guy you're super excited about jamming. You're, you're probably playing either of them as a result of what it allows you do, to do with the rest of your lineup. Um, and the same thing goes with the Williams guys. I mean, the, the bottom four cars are combinations of uh, Aston Martin and Williams cars down there. So, you know, pick your poison. I think you're obviously what you're trying to get here is you're trying to avoid the negative, right? You're trying yep. to avoid that minus three point differential and you're trying to get the beat the teammate bonus. So that five points that you can get there. And, you know, based on things right now, it looks like Vettel 
is a better bet to beat out uh, Stroll there among the Aston Martin teammates. Um, as we look over at the at the Sims, let's see here. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, there's Aston. Uh, the Aston Martin cars um, are not super uh, high. They're kind of right in the med- middle there. Um, so yeah, you can that that to me is a, a perfect example to to fire up the sim results and and let that be your tiebreaker for you. Um, as both guys, obviously, you know, the guy who I sort of really are am drawn to in that bottom bargain bin price range is Latifi, just mostly because he's the cheapest of the group. Um, you know, even though he's he's not one of the Aston Martin cars, uh, he gives you that opportunity. Uh, and, and we're really looking for we, we would only be playing all these guys for exactly the same reason, which is to to fit in the the big dogs. Yeah, I, I could see um, Vettel kind of running away with ownership between the Austin Martin teammates, even though he has 400 more starting ahead on the grid. I, I think Vettel, he's a popular driver. He hasn't raced yet. People have been seeing Nico Hulkenberg race in his place. Um, he's just a popular name and F1, the, the, F1 fans that, that have came along so far, Stroll's a driver that people love to hate already. So any reason I think not to play him, people are going to find. Uh, Sam, what do you think about Austin Martin? So I think, it, yeah, and you mentioned, so Vettel's coming off of COVID. This will be his first race of the year. The other thing is that in qualifying, he, he did only get one lap in. And, you know, I don't know how what his practice numbers not like, not on a but, moped, right? Not his left on the moped. Oh, then, yeah, not that. yeah okay. not on a moped for sure. Um, but that I think is certainly something to consider. And from a Matthew Matthew a macro point of view, the qualitative stuff about F one is I think more important than in a lot of other sports. It's you know it's still not the biggest factor, but those sorts of things, not you know understanding how the track is running or not getting a bunch of practice on these new turns, things like that is certainly interesting. Um, I do think, again, Stroll is probably the the better play. I mean, again, it's it's two spots to overtake Vettel and you're saving $400, which, you know, doesn't sound like a ton, but it, it can be if you're going from, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of guys, but I, <laughs> if you're going, you know, from, uh, maybe Verstappen to Leclerc. Sure, sure. Um, you know, I, uh, to chime in, to, if we're talking about ways to get a little bit different from the field, um, you know, leaving salary on the table is always kind of a tried and true format for showdown. So there's a perfect opportunity where, yeah, let's say your lineup has the additional $400 to get up to the next yeah. guy. We'll just everybody else will yeah. see that as well and want to do that. So just do yourself the favor and pick the lower owned guy in that same situation. You're more likely to have a more unique lineup, leaving just a modest amount of salary on the table. Yeah. And we haven't, we are seeing a fair amount of uh, lineups in the field, leaving salary on the table. We haven't seen winning lineups leaving much on the table. So I, that will start, I think seeping into the casual players subconscious. I mean, like I need to use all, all 50 K um, which obviously we know from showdown isn't always the point. Um, I'm going to go a little out of order here since it's basically the same conversation with Williams. And we've already mentioned them a couple of times. We have Latifi at three K the, the men's salary starting in P 18 Albon had a penalty so he's starting p20 at 3400 latifi is probably going to have very high ownership might 
approach uh, the top guys because he does let you do whatever you want basically with your lineup. He is $400 cheaper than his teammate and starting two grid points ahead of him. Sam, uh, we're going to, if we're playing Red Bull and Ferrari, we're going to have a lot of these guys in our lineup, Latifi and Albon. Uh, Do you see any value in playing Albon over Latifi this week? I mean, certainly from a differentiation standpoint, he, you know, if you, this may be galaxy braining it a little bit, but he technically qualified, I think 17th or maybe 18th and got the three grid penalty. So technically finished ahead of Latifi in qualifying and is now behind him because of that penalty. So you can take that for, for what you will. Um, but it's, I, I mean, again, if it's, $400 and, you know, a fraction of the ownership, why not go with Albon? Yeah, if, if you're building a single lineup and you, you're trying to jam in whatever your your favorite captain constructor is, that $400 can be a really big difference. If you're playing 150 lineups, I, I really like the idea uh, of Albon for $400 more, um, especially if you are trying to, to finagle some... Um, you know, so some unique lineups with Latifi probably being way more popular. I mean, Latifi has been, I don't even think it's arguably, I think it's clearly been the worst driver uh, in the circuit so far this year. He can't even stay on the track um, incidents nonstop, but we do have Latifi very high up there on run the Sims. So Justin, give me your case for Latifi. It's, it's strictly salary. Uh, when we're optimizing these, uh, when we're optimizing these lineups, we're looking for guys who can finish non-negative. Uh, and simply allow you to do what she needed to do last week. We talked about this. Latifi was in the optimal last week with a goose egg, and that was enough. That was all you needed. All you needed was the remainder of your salary to go towards the right guys. And uh, those salary constraints have a very real possibility of being uh, sort of a necessary bumper for you uh, for for the entire season unless DraftKings makes some major modifications. So, so that's really all it is, is the uh, vast number of additional other combinations that it unlocks by having that additional 400 bucks. Yeah, and we see this in NFL all the time. You know, if you, if you have the men's salary guy that that gets you a goose egg, but it lets you get the the player that breaks the slate, um, you're you're going to be able to win. And and in F1's case, that that breaking the slate so far has been getting the P1 driver and then getting the uh, the constructors that gives you two guys on the podium. If you're able to get that and have one of the drivers that's in the podium in your lineup, if you get a zero from a men's salary guy, it doesn't matter because if the chalk hits and those top three guys finish top three and you have them all, uh, you're, you're probably chopping first um it, it is what it is you're not gonna win 50k but you'll win 2500 bucks uh, i i think that i think it's pretty straightforward there let's move on to haas this is really interesting because um magnuson after starting very strong to the season haas starting very strong to the season completely lost their pace um both of their drivers 15th or were schumacher starting p15 magnuson starting p16 but a huge discount on Schumacher, 4,600 versus 7,800 for Magnuson. I just don't think anybody is playing Magnuson. I don't think you can justify it at all. I don't even know if we have to have a conversation. We're playing Schumacher in our value lineup. Sam, any other thoughts on Haas? And that's what's so tough with some of these mid-price guys. And, you know, with, with Magnuson starting P16 behind his teammate he's got to again it's one spot behind his teammate so it's not a huge difference but to 
try to overtake him to overtake, you know, over half the field, it's going to be so restrictive at $7,800 to, yeah. you know, relative to what his ceiling is. I, I know we're going to talk about ownership projections here in a bit, in a minute, but was surprised to see in the run the Sims projections uh, with Mick Schumacher at about 6%. And that I think is a, a really good spot. I mean, again, it's 4,600. So sort of a slight tier above Federal Stroll, Albon and Latifi. But from an ownership play, if, you, if you're trying to get different, then he is someone that I would certainly target. Yeah, Schumacher's 4,600 is probably like just high enough where he's not going to have like a 70% ownership because it's it's going to make it a little tough to make him the third driver with your Red Bull and Ferrari lineups. Um, but he reminds me a little bit of Botas back in the opening race at Bahrain where I think he was 4,800 and he was kind of that value could fit in ahead of his teammate. Obviously, in that race, Botas was starting at like P6 or something. Schumacher's only starting one spot ahead of Magnussen. But Magnussen at 7,800, even if he finishes like whatever p9 and he gets you the the points for moving out five spots and and beating his teammate like paying 7800 for 10 points i i just don't know how to justify it justin do you have any thoughts on haas i i think it's pretty cut and dry here yeah it is i mean as we're thinking about how to build a lineup in the first place like you get to pick and choose which stands you want to take and uh this to me does not merit the risk reward trade-off that would be necessary to consider magnuson yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, let's jump over to Alpine. And this has been one of the most fun teams uh, throughout these these first two races. Uh, Sam talked about at the top of the show, um, Al- Alonzo switching his power unit again. His pace was crazy uh, to to in Q3. Um, I, as Sam mentioned, like his his perfect effort would have been uh, P4. I think before his crash, he was like sniffing a provisional um, pole, which obviously, you know, the, the Red Bull and Ferrari probably would have taken over that provisional. But the point is, Pace was good, had an incident starting P10 at 5,800. Ocon starting ahead of him at 7,800 P8. So we do, this is one where, kind of similar to McLaren, um, the more expensive guy starting ahead, but Alonzo is a value of 5,800. And I, I think you can make a case similar to McLaren. If we do have an incident up front, we've seen enough pace out of Alpine where they can not they can and probably will at some point steal a victory. Uh, will it be this week? Who knows? That 7,800 from Ocon is, is uh, a tough pill to swallow. Justin, how do you feel about Alpine? Anything standing out to you from a value perspective from them this week? Yeah, but both guys show up a little bit over on in the flex or in the flex in the driver position for us this week. Um, you know, but in the captain, the they both make uh, relatively intriguing cases. Both are super low likelihood, um, but show a little bit of positive leverage for us there. Um, so I think overall, like I'm showing Alonzo as being about twice as likely to be the guy you need over Ocon. And so I'm just kind of comfortable riding it out with Alonzo there. Yeah, I, I think I agree with the Alonzo take. Um, again, his pace was amazing. Uh, he's he's $2,000 less. I, I can see, like, out of my 150 lineups, I could see myself having five um, Alpine Constructor Alonzo stacks, uh, something like that, you know, in, in one of those hopefully there's chaos lineups. Uh, Sam, how are you feeling about Alpine this week? I went into the week super excited about Alonzo. He showed in Saudi Arabia that he was likely the better driver than 
Ocon, but was not able to finish the race. Like I said at the top of the show, he looked like he is the better driver uh, compared to Ocon as well. You're saving $2,000, and he's probably going to be pretty heavily owned because he is uh, sort of he is cheaper, at least relative to his teammate. But I'm I'm ready to be you know somewhat over leveraged on Alonzo this week. Yeah, in those lineup, I mean, there's definitely because Red Bull and Ferrari are so popular. You're just always going to have a fair of, amount of lineups that are uh, going to have uh, Perez and Signs over Leclerc and Verstappen, just kind of depending on which order. I think those lineups are going to are where you're going to see a lot of these McLaren and and Alpine combos. The the cheaper Ferrari Red Bull driver combined with like Alonso, I, I think that could be really interesting. Um, let's kind of rapid fire these last two, uh, AlphaTauri and alfa romeo because they're kind of similar setups here we have botas at eight thousand dollars starting p12 versus Zhu starting at uh p14 two spots behind but at 4400 so a 3600 dollars discount and then alfa tori gasly starting 7400 p11 yuki snoda uh 3400 less only two grid spots behind so you have like this 34 to 3600 um discount on the driver that's starting only two spots behind I'll start with the cheaper guys. Sam, do you have any interest in Sonoda or Joe uh, as way cheaper guys that are only two spots behind their teammates? Again, I, I do. I mean, it's two spots, which is not that crazy to to overtake. You know, they have, uh, you know, they hit a turn wrong, whatever. And basically this week, that whole seven to $8,000 range is, it seems out of the question because they're, their ceiling seems capped because they're not in that grade of cars and their floor is low because they're, you know, in the low teens, if you will. So there's a, a chance for them to fall five, six, seven spots uh, in the race. Whereas these other guys, you're not risking a ton by investing 4k into uh, Yuki Sonoda or someone like that. And there's a chance that he, he finishes higher than, their teammates. Yeah, I mean, you're basically getting four 4K guys, probably a discounted ownership with a chance to get you a plus five. Um, that that plus five on low ownership is really intriguing to me. Justin, can you make any case for Botas or Gasly? I mean, they, they just are going to have to run so pure to, to hit your lineup here. I've got both of their teammates as over twice as likely to pop up in the optimal for us this week. Um, again, let's, let's not overthink it. Let's, uh, let's save our strategy decisions for a little bit tougher calls. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't have a sprinkle of these guys if you're doing a lot of lineups. Um, but definitely you want to concentrate, uh, your lineup certainly around those two cheaper fellows. I do think it will be interesting because I'm sure this will come up at some point when we get these guys like Ocon, Botas and Gasly finishing, or, you know, starting maybe seventh through ninth and the rest finishing in the mid-teens because, again, that's where they've got a chance to finish top five or something like that and, and potentially pay off their their salary. But that is certainly not the case right now. Yeah, I think you basically need Gasly and Botas to, to podium for them to be worth their, their salaries. You know, a, a P3 is... Um is going to be way better than just moving up five grid spots or something like that. Um, I'll just slot this out quickly. You don't have to give a lot of analysis if you don't want. I think Mercedes is still just way too expensive co- considering their pace versus Ferrari and Red Bull. Um, any interest in either Mercedes drivers for either of you guys? 
not a captain. I think that says it all. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, excited, no. Do they have a chance? Yes, it's one of those things where I think they're both fairly consistent drivers, can sort of hold their position, but I don't expect them to be overtaking a ton and winning a race again unless there is some sort of chaos at the top. Yeah, I mean, Justin, anything on, on Mercedes? Yeah, I would say uh, this is where you go captain. Uh, you go Captain Lewis Hamilton right here as your chaos captain. Um, and, and then you can build around that. And, um, you know, obviously you're, you're talking about knocking the top two cars out of the race in that situation. Uh, maybe Russell can find the podium, in which case that makes an interesting math question, right? Of like what's better than to have Russell who podiums or have the Mercedes build who has two cars in the podium. So, um, in, you know, in the first week we got that, um, uh, with, with Ferrari, yeah, you didn't need the the third place driver. You needed the Ferrari build. So yeah, that's a good um, point. Yeah, be thinking about when you're thinking about the chaos lineup. Uh, be thinking about those types of things. Yeah, I mean, if you're paying ninety four hundred for Lewis Hamilton, it just doesn't make it doesn't even make sense to use him as a driver. Like if you're paying that much, you're chasing a first place. So you got to throw him in your captain anyway. So that's something you have to think about when you're when you're. Um, building out these these formula one lineups like are we ever going to at this point are we going to predict lewis to win a race absolutely not but how is it going to play how are you going to use him you're just not going using him as a driver at 9400 just isn't going to give you the chance to win that's that we're using him for a w at um that salary all right let's jump into uh one of my favorite things that we've have so far at run the sims we already have ownership projections up if you sign up at run the sims um, with your email account you can get access to these ownership projections optimal ownership projections um what we think for driver constructor captain um overall all the above really exciting stuff i think it's going to be a very similar uh, play out to what we saw Bahrain in the first race. We saw Ferrari and Red Bull combined for 85% of constructor ownership. I think we'll see that again with the salaries not moving much, especially in terms of ceiling. We saw uh, Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc. They were both over 60% overall owned. I believe Run the Sims has them projected for just under 60%, so on par there. They combined for over 60% of captain that week. I, I do think people will kind of... Um, shift that a little bit now just they know they could get a little bit more creative uh with their lineups but i, I think combining for over 50 percent with those two guys is still uh very much in the cards so again make sure you go over to run the sims and check out those ownership projections and because you are building those ownership projections justin i will start with you and ask you which driver or captain ownerships are you looking to exploit based on your optimal rates this week yeah. So one thing that stands out to me is, um, you know, immediately like the, the biggest poorly leveraged spot is a Verstappen or Leclerc captain. And you, you kind of start thinking, well, why is that the case? Uh, and really it's, it's just as simple as the fact that uh, because everybody is going to be playing them, it's the most obvious thing in the world. Um, but yet what do you do with that information? They're both so super likely. Is there any way to really like come off that and fade that? I, I think what it means to me is as you're making a portfolio of lineups and, you know, we talk about 150, it could be 20. There, there's a lot of really good 20 max tournaments out there. Uh, so as you're building lineups, that would be a good place to start. Um, you, you know, maybe you want to be slightly underweight on those guys so that when, um, you know, something slightly off kilter does happen, you can take advantage of that. 
Um, but that doesn't mean that they're bad plays. It means that uh, the field recognizes that they're good plays. And in lineups where you do have Verstappen and Leclerc at captain, uh, you're just going to want to find something that sets you apart from the rest of the field with how you're building the rest of that lineup. Yeah. And, and um, just, and talking about those, like just thinking about how you're going to formulate your plan around Red Bull and Ferrari is really at this point, the basis of your analysis, are you, are you just going to be way overweight on them? Or if you're building, especially if you're somebody that's like, if you're playing single entry or three max, you just have to take a stand, right? You either have to go with them or you have to fade them. Um, it, it is what it is. If you're playing 20 to 150 lineups, you can really get more nuanced about how you're managing the ownership. Um, two ownerships that really stand out to me and, and ones that I'm looking to exploit are Mick Schumacher and Alexander Albon. Run the Sims has them um, as two of the three lowest owned guys. We talked about them being cheap. Um, Schumacher ahead of his teammate, Albon behind his teammate, but cheap uh, ownership guys. Sam, do you think there's any ownerships that that could surprise us? Can um, can we see way too much Ricardo just because he's cheaper and people love McLaren? Um, can we see people just go crazy with like a um, like an Albon over Latifi, does does anything stand out to you in, in terms of something that might come in way lower or higher than we expect? Yeah, I I think I'm really interested to see where Signs falls because again, he's he's done really well this year. I think a lot of people will understand that he struggled in Q3, maybe. At least the people listening to this podcast will understand that. And he has a chance to gain a lot of grid positions. Don't think he has a chance to overtake Leclerc, but the salary is also so restrictive. And I, I just don't think it's worth plugging him in for that potential, you know, three or four extra grid grid spots that he could gain. Um, Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Schumacher, ownership like I pointed out is is certainly interesting to me and I think is something I I hope to exploit this weekend because Haas has shown the first couple races that they've been pretty reliable and never one to shy away from rooting for Gunther Steiner and um, <laughs> yeah yeah, I, I think the I think the reason, even though Mick is starting ahead of of Magnuson and is cheaper, I think Magnuson's pace has just been so much better this year that yeah. it, I think it could cause people to be really shy about Schumacher. So he, I, I think, obviously, I haven't started building it, but as we've talked through this podcast, I feel like Schumacher is a guy that I could end up being way overweight on. Let's talk about the all important captain spot, and I'll just give you a very simple question, Sam. Over or underweight on Max and Charles captain ownership? I would say over. I mean, again, I, I know. And we're saying, and we're assuming they're both around what twenty-five to thirty percent. Does that sound about right? Yeah. I mean, I, I would, I would have no qualms with. So that's fifty percent combined. I would have no qualms with three quarters, two thirds of your lineups being those two. At captain, they both shown they have the pace. They, you know, aside from the first race, they have the reliability as well. They are the number one sort of driver in the hierarchy on their teams. And they they both have the skill as well. 
Yeah. Uh, Justin, I'll, I'll switch up the question a little bit for you. Let's break it up um, to single entry, three max, and then 20 to 150. How would you break up your your um, max and, and Charles captain ownership in those three different scenarios? Yeah, I just feel a lot more comfortable with Charles than I do with Max this week. And I think the betting markets kind of proved that out a little bit. I mean, the in qualifying, uh, the final lap by Charles uh, was about three tenths better than anybody else during the entire practice qualifying anything. It was unbelievably fast. And so I think there's a real chance he just kind of dog walks this thing and runs away with it. So if I'm going to pick a guy, that's who I want to hitch my wagon to. Um, and, and so I don't mind being maybe a little under on Max, a little heavy on Charles this week. Um, but I think Lando is the guy who I really am targeting as being like my one off the wall guy and, and just sort of riding with him. Yeah. Um, is, is there anybody that you think after qualifying that, that we have projected kind of low um, that we discussed that could shoot up the ownership um, ranks by tomorrow? Uh, it, it's hard to say. I mean, I kind of, uh, the, the way we've got ownership set up right now, I think it's, uh, more or less set unless we get some news that, um, you know, impacts probably actually who's available and who's going to, uh, show up in this race. But I don't think we're expecting anything, uh, unforeseen, but this is motorsports. You never yeah. know what's going to happen, uh, an hour before race time. Yeah. To, to your, and to your, your, uh, Leclerc point, I mean, I think their start, I think we're already starting to see a little bit of Mercedes cat and mouse with Ferrari. We heard, uh, we heard Charles kind of throughout, um, practice saying he's not, he's not sure, not feeling too great. And then he gets into Q3 and just absolutely smokes the field. Uh, you know, get, gets that, gets that pole pretty comfortably on that last, uh, flying lap. So I thought that was a little bit funny. Let's talk about the other, um, the, the other Red Bull and, and Ferrari drivers, starting with you, Justin, uh, how are you going to to integrate um, Sergio Perez and, and Carlos Sainz into your uh, into your lineups if you are playing, you know, 20 to 150 lineups? Man, Sainz is uh, he's the wild card. Um, you know, I, I definitely want to try to find ways to get him in there. I mean, the good news is that with either of those two guys, the sort of uh, scared way out is just play the constructor uh (laughs) playing the second guy just go constructor from that team throw the other guy in the captain and you don't necessarily have to choose um you know and and so maybe as we talk about sort of um you know single entry three max that would probably be my preferred method of of tiebreaker there um and, and pick the two guys from the from the opposing team um so yeah I think there's a lot of intriguing ways uh, to try to separate these. Uh, you know, I, I don't have super high numbers for signs. Um, you know, my numbers seem to be a little bit scared off by the, the poor qualifying. Um, and, and so he's probably the guy I will not take as many chances on. Sam, Sergio's obviously starting um, well ahead and $800 cheaper, but um, are you willing to go all in? on Sergio over signs and, and say, if you're playing five lineups, have zero signs and all Sergio in, in your alternative lineups. I'm not, I, I find more appeal with signs because, because he has that opportunity to jump up the grid and science has just been extremely reliable. I think, I mean, he, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but I think he's had this amazing streak of points finishes over the last couple of years and you know Checo Perez has been has been good the one thing that I I just sort of thought of as we you guys were talking is 
Is there a world where you do, and I don't know, I don't know how the salary would work here and if it's even possible, but do a um, Leclerc captain, science driver, and Red Bull constructor? Because you have the opportunity for signs to jump up in the grid, potentially maybe overtake Perez, and Leclerc finish ahead, win the race, and then still get points from from Max or something like that. I don't I don't know how the salary would work out with that, but just something if we're trying to differentiate, which I think we definitely are, we never talk about stacking drivers together because we want to maximize the ability to get that plus five from that one driver. But again, this is an opportunity where we all think that science has an opportunity to um, jump up in the grid and get into the, the top five. I think toying with combinations where you can, and, and this is, doesn't even just pertain to Red Bull and Ferrari, toying with combinations where you're targeting four out of the top four in your lineup, I think is something that is, is going to be a very interesting way um, to go away from like their traditional just having your captain and constructor and then the second driver from the top team um let's kind of go like like rapid fire here through these last couple of questions just tell me who they are and how much you would use them let's just say out of 100 lineups so um sam uh other let's say non-red bull and ferrari captains to target and how often would you use them i definitely think lando is in consideration, I think maybe 10 to 15% Hamilton, if you, again, like you said, if you're going to use him, use him as your captain. But those might be the only four that I'm truly considering. I'm more of a uh, a single entry or a three max player in, in, in DFS. So those are the, the four that I'm really looking at right now. Justin, alternative captains? Uh, yeah, Lando's my guy. Uh, I got him at 28% currently in my lineup. So I've taken a pretty aggressive stand there. Um, and just uh, what I have in those builds, honestly, is a lot of uh, Leclerc, Verstappen in there with them, plus a, a, you know, a dominant constructor, and then mixing and matching the remaining two spots. Um, you know, After that, it looks like uh, Perez is my highest uh, off-the-wall guy there, coming in about 9%. Yeah, I think um, I, I think I'm gonna sprinkle in some um, some Alpine captains into my lineup. Uh, Justin, same question for you. Non Red Bull Ferrari constructors, uh, which ones do you like, and how often would you use them? I, I would probably net x x amount of my player pool. Honestly, uh, like I, I have, I'm showing that they're all like even as low owned as they are, they're all still over owned. Uh, you know, which is kind of crazy. Uh, just go ahead and don't make it uh, too cumbersome on yourself. But Mercedes definitely is the team um, showing just a slight bit of positive leverage. Sam, you got the Wavos uh, to throw a uh, McLaren constructor into one of your three lineups? No. Why would I? <laughs> I mean, it, again, like, the, no, no, I don't. I Like, I can't. No. The, the only argument is chaos. And yeah. I think, you know, maybe there's a big crash on turn one. Lando is like close enough to the to the top couple that if, you know, he he could hit these other guys. But no, it, it doesn't make sense how with how good Ferrari and Red Bull have been. Yeah, I think if you could fit a if you could fit a, a Red Bull or Ferrari winner 
or sorry, a Red Bull Ferrari teammates with a Mercedes constructor and not stack the constructor. I think that's probably the most interesting way to go. If the you issue like, is if you can get a, if you get like a one two out of Red Bull and a three four out of Mercedes, something like that. I think it'd be interesting. If if you're doing a McLaren or even Mercedes constructor, you're hoping for chaos. But what a Merce, more so a a McLaren constructor does for you is it opens up salary and what are you going to, are you going to spend that on Botas or like some of these other guys? Like it doesn't like granted they'll move up in the standings if the top three guys all crash, but the, the ceiling is going to be a little lower. Uh, Yeah. um, I, I, I agree. I don't think I'm getting too, too frisky there. Um, From a lineup construction standpoint, we have seen, 96% 96% of the lineups have finished in the top 1% of the um, main GPP on DraftKings stack their captain and constructor. I do not think you should be stacking 96% of your 100 lineups with captain and constructor. Um, Sam, as a single entry three max guy, though, are you stacking captain and constructor in all of your single entry and three max? I am because, again, the the it's just the guys that are going to be at the top. Like it's, it's so, so, so tough to fade them. And, uh, you know, you can take ownership into perspective, but that's, you know, like Justin said, you just got to get different elsewhere. And that's what I'm, I'm going to do. Yeah. If, you, if you're playing, and especially because the fields are still so small um, on DraftKings outside of, of the biggest tournament, if you're playing a single entry tournament, one of those smaller ones, I, I think you have to do it with the upside, but in the biggest tournament, Justin, I think it's suboptimal if you're doing 100%. So if you're setting a rule in a lineup generator, like where are you maxing out your captain constructor um, stacks at? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and that's honestly one of the things, once we get these uh, these SIM tools up for everybody, it just eliminates that thought process for you and lets, you, uh, lets, lets the optimal result take over. Um, yeah, and I think we're seeing somewhere that number probably is a little closer to uh, 65, 70 percent. Just guessing off the top of my head, um, you know, where the, the, the problem is if you don't take that as like the locked in secret sauce, the number of combinations that permeates from there is just so, so, so large. Um, it's so it's almost like it's too easy of a thing to assume is right. Uh, to do anything different. Um, but, you know, obviously if you're making 150, you definitely want to diversify that for sure. Yeah. I, I, and, and I should be very clear here. We're talking about captain constructor stacks. Only 53% of the field has stacked captain and constructor, but again, 96% of the top 1% lineups have stacked that it's, but it has been very close. I think the difference between um, the, the, the winning lineup, the winning lineups that had the captain constructor versus lineups that stack driver with constructor, just a couple fantasy points. So even if you're not kept stacking captain constructor, I it's pretty hard to not be stacking um, driver with constructor. So make sure you're being cognizant of that. Justin, any alternative stacks? One thing that I haven't, we haven't seen in the winning lineups yet, but we are seen like in 10% of lineups is double stack. So say a, a captain constructor and then driver driver, driver constructor captain driver are you interested in any types of double stacks is that are you implementing that near 150 at all yeah i, I think that kind of happens naturally um you, you get that a lot and 
I mean, a lot of that just has to do with the fact that these things are so tightly paired. I mean, with teammates racing with the same, you know, equipment, you're going to get a lot of clustering. And that makes a lot of sense that, you know, in a race where one teammate does well, the other one also does well. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it makes sense to bring a guy along. And, you know, especially if you're, you know, you it may be cost prohibitive to do that with, uh, say, the two premium constructors out there. Uh, but you can certainly mix it in with with some of the others. And I think like McLaren would be a great way to uh, take advantage of that this week. Um, you just got to ask yourself then, uh, can does each driver have enough upside uh, to overcome the five points that you're forfeiting, um, you know, by, by playing two teammates? Yeah, the the argument against stacking driver driver is one of them obviously isn't going to get the plus five for finishing ahead of his teammates. But we saw go back to the race in Bahrain, the winning lineup actually had George Russell finishing P4 instead of Lewis Hamilton finishing P3 because it allowed you more upside with his P4 finish versus a cheap guy that had a plus five. So if you are going to be having a double stack where you're having a driver driver stack, you have to be very sure that that stack has top five upside but all both drivers need to have top five upside in both stacks so just be very aware of that um sam any other just like unique strategies that you're thinking about um whether it be having mid salary builds leaving a ton of salary on the table just anything that you're trying to build into your lineups that just besides just fading high ownership guys so i'm avoid like i said i'm I'm avoiding those mid-salary guys, the, the the seven to eight K guys specifically that are are only a couple of spots ahead of their teammates this week. I I do think again, if you're if you're MMEing, there are some ways to leverage constructors like Alpine and McLaren and Mercedes. Um, not particularly fond of that in in three max tournaments, but I the leaving salary on the table is is certainly interesting um, because I think I do think that there are a lot of value plays under 4K this week. Yeah. Um, Justin, I, I made a post on Twitter uh, um, after the last race that kind of showed us the the point of diminishing returns with leaving salary on the table, and I think the the that salary range should be very similar this week because. Salaries are so similar to the last race. Um, ownership's probably going to be so similar. And that range was like in the 47K to, to 48K. And when I say the point of diminishing returns, it's leaving so much salary on the table that you have minimal or no dupes. And then when you go beyond that, leaving going down to 45,000, you're just leaving salary on the table, but you're not, you're not getting away from the number of dupes that you would at that range. So um, what what's your approach to leaving salary on the table in your lineups this week? Yeah. Um, well, I, I think people tend to have sort of psychological barriers here. This is sort of the soft skills of DFS uh, where, you know, leaving a thousand dollars on the table is super uncomfortable for most people, especially if you're constructing your lineup on your phone, your first thing you're going to want to do is say, which of these six people in my lineup could I upgrade with that thousand bucks? And that's what people do. So I think a thousand dollars is actually kind of a magic number mentally for people. Um, so I think if you're going to experiment, uh, then that's the way you're going to want to go. And, and what you're really hoping for there is some guy towards the bottom of the ladder gets super hot and actually outscores not only the people in his general range, but maybe even some guys uh, in a tier or two above him, you know, maybe some guy off the radar 
comes in at uh, P4 at the end of the day. And um, you just had to have him. And it wasn't just because he was the bargain guy. It was because he actually had a good day. And now you needed that exact combination of him with the other five. And now you're cooking. Um, so just, you know, that, that's the type of result you're looking for. If, if you look, you know, at your app and you see that the same guys that started bottom five in the race are still at the bottom five, um, then you're probably going to need all the money. Um, you know, that's probably just the way it's going to work. Um, so, so you want to, I'd say, even diversify your salary remaining portfolio um, as you're as you're thinking about how you want to approach things. Absolutely. Um, let's let's uh, ho hopefully we've given everybody's a, a lot to chew on um, for for DFS. Um, again, quick turnover. We are only uh, what uh, nine, nine hours, hours away from from the race. Um, but let's just rapid fire. No analysis needed. Um, give me two or three of your favorite bets, Sam, and on what sportsbook? So I'm gonna try last last race. I went four for four. So gonna try to stay on brand. And go for for again uh definitely is not going to happen but first bet latifi not to finish the race this is plus 225 on caesars it just it seems like he should be closer to even odds at this point even even if you do assign fault to gasly on the wreck in qualifying latifi went off the track uh earlier in qualifying on his own another couple bets norris to finish podium, he's plus 350 on BetMGM. He's listed at plus 300 or worse on most other books. I do like Botas to finish in the points. He's minus 105 on DK. And then, again, I mentioned last time that wanted to target more of these matchup-type bets, and there's a bit of juice on this one, but Fernando Alonso finishing ahead of Albert, uh, excuse me, um, Ocon. Esteban Ocon, um, that's minus 155 on MGM. So again, laying a bit of juice there, but he's just raced so well that I think it's, you know, if both of them finish that Alonso is going to finish ahead of him. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go nuts on, on Alonso in my chaos lineups. Uh, Justin, do you have three or four bets that you like this week? Uh, yeah, I think one that stands out to me is signs at plus 2000. Uh, and that's really just sort of chasing the uncertainty principle there. Obviously, uh, he would be a guy to directly benefit from chaos as well if that happened slightly in front of him. Uh, and, and I don't think he's drawing dead. Now, granted, it's been that was a rough yesterday for him at qualifying. However, uh, I, I think he can he still has sort of the mystery box of all cars. Um, and so at 20 to one, I don't I don't mind that particular uh, trade off and uh, Sam actually beat me to the punch there with Lando Podium. I like that. It's uh, and it's only plus three hundred on DK. So if you can get that at a better price, uh, just always a good uh, good example of why you should be shopping around for your best prices. Yeah. Uh, so this looks like it's it's uh, we're rooting Lando hard tonight um, in to ruin Ricardo's home race. Uh, that that's going to be a lot of fun. And and I mean, yeah, good great teams that qualify bad are great teams to target. Bad teams that qualify good, really good spots to fade. So I like that science call. Uh, thank you for everybody that listened today. Hopefully you guys have a great week of betting in DFS. We will be back Monday with the Australian Grand Prix recap. Again, if you haven't signed up for Run the Sims, they will be providing 4 for 4 with all of our F1 and USFL content uh, tools, projections. So go to runthesims.com and use the promo code 
four for four for ten percent off at Run the Sims. If you haven't got your four for four subscription yet, you can get a free pro sub by depositing at least ten dollars on underdog fantasy use the promo code 444 at underdog you'll also get a deposit bonus up to 100 match you must be a new underdog subscriber see the link in the youtube description and we have a ton of underdog uh tools and content already available on 444 um make sure you are checking out the 444 betting plan ton of uh golf basketball analysis on there we're in the middle of the masters right now so you could probably still get some sunday bets on there make sure you're checking out betsports golf which just launched uh, amazing stuff going on over there in conjunction with four for four and keep an eye out for the betsports bundle we are going to at some point have a way for you guys to get access to all of the great betsports teams in one easy price if you are listening on itunes please uh please give us a five-star rating and subscribe if you're watching on youtube please like the show and subscribe to our channel make sure you are following all of us for four is that four for four football check out betsperts at betsperts golf sam is at sam hoppin justin is at justin freeman 18 run the sims is at run the sims i'm at tj hernandez we'll talk to you guys on Monday.